This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by the letters J and K and the number 47. No audio editors or hosts were harmed in the making of this broadcast. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Captains, you're listening to episode 2064 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek, recorded live on Thursday, March 31st, 2016, and available for download or streaming on Monday, April 4th, at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. And I'm Kenna. All right, Kenna, we have a lot to talk about this week. Why don't you tell us what it is? Well, this week we're trekking out what could be a breakthrough in interstellar propulsion. And there's more news about the new Star Trek TV series. In Stow News, Mark and I are breaking down the latest announcements about the season 11.5 new content. Later, Cookie and Elijah take a look at what's on screen, and Jace is here with another literary review. And as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Captains, we want to hear from you. So join in on the discussion via one of our social media channels. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast or send us a tweet at Priority One Pod. You can also leave us a comment on our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com. Heck, leave us a voicemail. It's free. Just click on the Speak Pipe widget right on our homepage. And finally, thanks once again to all of our Patreon supporters, old and new, who make this show possible from week to week. With your help, we can keep improving the quality and content of this show. Visit us at patreon.com forward slash priority one and find out about all the cool perks we have to offer. Now, let's check out some of the news from the world of Star Trek. I don't know. Then let's check it out. Well, there is exciting news from the world of space science this week, as we may just have found ourselves one step closer to achieving what the Star Trek universe calls warp drive. Scientists at the University of Montana's Phoenix Astrophysics Lab have successfully demonstrated that lithium-6 in a crystallized form can contain and redistribute the energy generated from a deuterium-matter-antimatter reaction. Principal investigator William Cochran is optimistic that it could one day be used as a key component of clean fuel, which could include fuel for space propulsion, although he says it could be another 47 years before we're able to see any results that are measurable outside of a lab. So what does this all have to do with warp drive? For those of you unfamiliar with the theory behind warp drive, according to Wikipedia, the theoretical propulsion system uses a matter-antimatter reaction to create a plasma which powers the warp nacelles as they generate a warp bubble, which allows a starship to travel faster than the speed of light. In the show, dilithium crystals are key to regulating the matter-antimatter reaction and allowing the energy generated to be used in the correct way. 
Now, before you get too excited, I should mention that in Star Trek, we're talking dilithium crystals, and here we're talking lithium-6 crystals, so I doubt that what we're seeing is a case of life imitating art. However, this is a really solid first step to our ability to contain and control the energy that would be produced in a matter-antimatter reaction. Theoretically, the amount of energy that could be harnessed from a big enough reaction could power a whole country's smartphones indefinitely, for example, or maybe even be enough to bend space-time and unlock a method of space travel that was previously only seen in our wildest sci-fi dreams. Wow, that is fascinating. It's cool, isn't it? It is really cool. I mean, that's so exciting. Well, I mean, th the principal problem with matter-antimatter reactions and why we don't see a lot of experiments going on is that basically as soon as you can't contain antimatter in anything <laughs> because obviously as soon as it hits matter it just sort of reacts right. and explodes right so um i'm not entirely sure how they managed to do that but having created something that could then possibly harness that energy and redirect it in like an actually useful way i mean that's cool you know what other article i, I saw was um that they're another step closer to actual transporters seriously yeah did you see that article no i missed that one yeah. we'll have to cover it in another time yeah we'll do it next week as we trek through this 50th anniversary year of star trek we are getting more and more information about the new television series slated to begin in january of 2017 in a press release dated april 1st Showrunner Brian Fuller announced that former Doctor Who head writer and executive producer Stephen Moffat, who is also known as the co-creator of the recent Sherlock series starring Benedict Cumberbund, brings yet another impressive credit to the already chock-full lineup of behind-the-scenes names. It was announced back in January that Moffat would be leaving Doctor Who after the next series goes out in spring of 2017. It's not clear yet how the production schedules of Star Trek and Doctor Who might work out. Speculation is that he will spend much of the year handing over the reins to the new showrunner, Chris Chibnall, in order to free up time for the development of the new Trek series. It's an exciting move for Trek fans and possibly Doctor Who fans as well. Will we be seeing some of the Doctor's quirky storylines working its way into Trek canon? We'll have to just wait and see. Can I just say that I am so incredibly excited for this? I abs I love Stephen Moffat and I love what he did with Doctor Who for years and years and years and I would love to hear that kind of that kind of voice and the kind of the drama mixed with, you know, humor and I I think this could be incredible. So I have never watched I, no, I may not say never. I have tried to watch Doctor Who and I started with um and people now, people told me I should, I had to start with this one. And uh, now others are telling me that I shouldn't have. It's the one, it's the, the boulder, the bald guy. Eccleston. And then like, yeah, yeah. and then like the, they're fighting the, the mannequins. Oh, in like the plastic the ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's Ugh. the first, that's the first episode of, of the sort of new generation, Doctor Who. No, skip that whole first series. It's very, it's very good, but it's not the one that will get you into it. Start with David Tennant. Start with the first episode of David Tennant. And, um, and, then, and then go from there. But um, I forget exactly. I, I saw on a subreddit post that they're looking at David Tennant as uh, a captain, actually, as the captain for the new show. That would be absolutely incredible. He would just, uh, he would just nail it. I mean, well, he's, also, he's already done the sort of interstellar travel thing. So, I mean, hopefully he could find a way to not be exactly the same as Doctor Who. But um, if, if he did that, that would be incredible because he can really... I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen any of his other roles. That the guy can act. 
and um, he's just got so much charisma. So, but that's that's derailing us from the actual news, which is um, Stephen Moffat and. I don't know, it's just really exciting. I think we've got, basically what we've got now is we've got Nicholas Meyer, who is sort of already known within Trek circles as being very good drama and also good humor. Um, And then we're bringing Stephen Moffat into the mix. I think we're going to see a really enjoyable Star Trek series that doesn't take itself too seriously, and I'm looking forward to that. Now let's get Markin on the discussion to find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online. Computer, status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, welcome to STO News, where Mark and I look at the big news of the week from Star Trek Online. Now, I really didn't think we could get bigger than last week's announcement about the launch of Season 11.5, but this week... We've had even more details about some new features coming in next month's release, and it just keeps getting better. So, Mark, why don't you kick us off? Well, the long-rumoured, sometimes denied aspect of SEO is finally coming to light. After a few teasing tweets last week, a new system is being added to STO. Flying from inside the bridge. That's right, Total Bridge Simulator. As of right now, it's still a little vague, but it seems to be breaking down as following. Give your orders from the command seat, have a chance to pilot the ship from the comm, fire weapons from tactical in what looks like something similar to the aim mode from ground combat, want to reroute power from a certain system or execute that infamous order of sacrifice power from life support if you need to, then head to the ops station. It does look a little exciting and certainly looks like adding an optional social interaction to the game. Imagine running STFs with up to 47 fleetmates, 48 if you include yourself as the captain, like that and get the real Star Trek full immersion experience. I for one have already called dibs on being captain in the captain's sphere on the USS Priorities for the first run. Do we see this as something being taken up? Will any of us be giving it a go? Yes. No. This is... Shut up Winters. This is so exciting. Seriously, because this is something that we've been waiting for in the game for like literally since we started some people have let me i'm playing devil's advocate some people have okay okay all the important people have yeah speak for yourself yeah i am going to speak to myself yeah because you're a little bit no now listen the reason this is so exciting because it's okay because you know i'm all about my immersion and just being able to sort of pilot from inside your actual starship i mean first of all it makes it worth it to go out and get the zen to to buy the real you know the nice bridge that you want for your ship first of all second of all it just sort of totally takes you inside the game and um, to be fair i'm not really entirely sure how it's gonna work it seems like it could be a little bit complicated from that outside view to the inside view but i think it's it's gonna totally change how people experience Star Trek Online. It's going no, to completely this is this it. this is going to be so bad. It's going to cause nothing but problems. Like, I, if any of you remember, you know when, um, oh, what was this? Uh, the loadout not was it the loadout system? I think it was the loadout system. And do you remember all the problem that there was with the trade uh, abilities? Your 
tool tray. What mo tray moving around? Tray abilities yeah, just, moving around. Yeah, losing traits and all that sort of stuff. This is going to be the very same thing. It's going to be nothing but problems. It's going to be a massive server load. It's going to create lag. I I really do not like this. This is just going to be absolutely detrimental to the game. I don't like well, it. No, I, End of story. I, I, I think that's pretty unfair to say, though, because I think they've been making a lot of effort to kind of slim down the UI and make some changes on the server stability. And I think that if... I don't think they would release a feature like this without testing it first. And I, I suspect we'll probably see it on Tribble before. And I just don't think that they would release something that wasn't going to be actually beneficial to the game. I think what we'll see is, you know, when you're playing story missions, it will just feel like you're really there. And if you're just playing STFs or whatever, I mean, I don't know. Did did they say in the blog whether this was going to be like you have to fly from the bridge or I, like, or is it just an I option? I don't think so. I think it's an option. But if you think about it, when you think about the original perpetual designs, this is what they wanted to do. And you think about some recent ship designs and everything, it has harkened back to those original perpetual designs. So this could be a way to sort of bring that in, bring some additional gameplay who knows, maybe it's a stepping stone for something in the future. I don't necessarily think it's going to break the game or do anything bad to the game. If it is an option, remember when they brought in the ground system, the revamped ground system? Everyone thought, oh, end of the world. You know, if you either liked it or you didn't. But at the end of the day, it's optional. They're not going to change the base game from what it is. They will only add on an optional extra. Yeah, but think about it. It's not going to work. You, I mean, you're going to lose perspective, all right? Whereas... The way it is now, the way it should be, you've got a third-person view of your ship and, you know, what is going on around you. If all you can see is what's out of the view screen, you have no idea what way you're pointing. It's it's just not going to work, even if they do have... If I can interrupt, who's to say the captain's view isn't going to be that? You know, the captain has a tactical overview of the ship. It's just you need to give orders and things. You know, maybe instead of pressing tactical team, it's a button that says alert your tactical officer that you need to do something. The thing to remember is that all, all of the information of what's going on is obviously available because we can see it now. It, they'll have to, I mean, details are so sketchy. We don't know what it's going to look like or we don't know what kind of display you're going to get. But I, I think that it will probably be something that, I mean, maybe it won't be something that everybody's going to switch to 100% of the time. But in terms of really helping you feel like you're in the game and especially for new players coming in who want that like full Star Trek experience I think it's only going to add to the game and imagine a new player getting taken on an STF in the role of being on a ship it lets them see what's going on like we said Damon like like a 47 man STF I mean come on God, I, I'm getting both of you. Know, both of you are ganging up on me. You were supposed to be, you know, devil's no, advocate. No, you're wrong. I'm playing no, the devil's you're advocate. Wrong. It has a certain advantage to opening things up. I mean, I remember you used to get taken on runs at first when the STS launched, and it was like three hour Apex, and you had to do this and do that, do everything. Imagine sitting in and watching something, you know, get put in the station that has to do the least, like, I don't know, some kind of science thing and, like, sensors if a sensor station was possible. Watch what happens in an STF. See what happens, so the next time you do it, you're in your own ship, you don't need to use this system. It's basically like a, a slightly involved spectator mode, potentially. Oh, maybe. You know, it's it's got potential. Interesting. So, 
moving on, there's one more big change also coming to the game in season 11.5, and it's another one that min-maxers the world over have been wanting forever. So in a blog post this week, it was announced that following the changes to the combat logs that were made a month or so back, and as part of the ongoing project looking at UI and the user experience overall, Star Trek Online will now feature a built-in DPS parser. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with the term DPS, it stands for damage per second, and it's widely regarded as the standard measure of how quote-unquote good you are at the game. So previously, if you wanted to know what DPS you were achieving, you'd have to use a third-party application, such as Combat Log Reader, CLR, or Stow Combat Meter, SCM, in order to read the combat logs that you can switch on in Stow. But with the launch of Season 11.5, players will now be able to quickly access detailed DPS data from a new tab in their character's status window, and DPS information will automatically be posted in the team chat at the end of PvE queues. Now, this is a great move for those of us who like to know what our damage output is, as you no longer have to switch in and out of the game in order to check up on how you're doing. It remains to be seen whether the native parser will definitely replace the external parsers, but if you're keen to try it out and check the differences, it should be available to test on Tribble sometime in the next couple of weeks. For someone who's kind of mildly interested in this, being able to go and get it and not having to download a, a third party when you can go and oh, does this violate any sort of terms of agreement or anything? It's mm, quite nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like it. I mean, I think, I you know, I'm not sure how applicable it will be for new players, and I'm hoping that it won't be, it, it, that it won't be, uh, I'm hoping that it won't be a deterrent for new people coming in. But I do think that as much as we want to say it's not a DPS game, you know, I remember it. when I, f well... I remember when I first joined uh, STO and I was and I was playing with some people from my fleet and I was having trouble because I kept dying. Yeah, I was having trouble because I kept dying and so I was sort of pumping a lot into my defensive skills and my science team and all of that and one guy I just remember very distinctly was like, well, if you're having trouble because you keep dying, it's because you're not... Uh, you're not doing enough damage quickly enough. <laughs> yeah, you're not killing like, things quickly enough. Exactly, uh, and I have to say he was right. So I started really focusing on uh, my damage output, and it made a big difference very quickly. And you know, for a long time, it was quite a long time into my STO career that I actually started using a parser. And when I started paying attention to that, um, it did actually it helped me improve. And now I feel like because I, I spent a couple of months sort of learning all this stuff to get me to where I needed to be or where I wanted to be and now now the game feels a little easier to me I prefer to play it on a little bit of easy mode so I don't have to think that hard because I prefer the the experience of the story content and all of that so I'm glad I did it and hopefully this will just make it a little bit more accessible a little more transparent as well of how the DPS is is working and that kind of thing so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it I'm I'm actually liking this one. I, I actually am. I'm, I'm really liking this change because uh, ultimately, you know, the data is already there in the combat log. It's just not displayed in, you know, bite-sized amounts where, you know, everything is totaled up. So I think this is probably not going to be quite as big a thing for them to add to the game. The only thing I'm concerned about is they've got the skill tree revamp uh, going on at the minute. It's on the Triple Test server, 
they're after announcing what we were previously just talking about flying from the bridge of your ship and now this as well I'm concerned that there isn't going to be enough time to flush out all of these systems but granted I think this one probably isn't going to be as hard as well definitely the previous one but if they do get it right I think it's going to be pretty good I think I think it's going to be a good addition to the game for sure well, this should just be really just a, a an interface thing. Really. Yeah, exactly. The combat logs are already there. Yeah, you just open up a window and it gives you, you know, the total and that's it. You probably are just going to have to hit a hotkey or some button, you know, to start the log and hit it again to end it. Simple as that. And then you can open up a window and you can see all the stats there. I'm curious to see whether they'll come up with this, the same numbers as the external parsers do because obviously like the DPS channels, if you are trying to become a member of the DPS channels, they all have their own standard parser that they use and there is a bit of calculation involved straight out of the combat log into, into the parser. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, but I'm, I'm sure we'll have time to just sense check that and, and test and there will be adjustments made, I'm sure of it. So moving on to patch notes this week, there wasn't an awful lot actually. The patch notes were pretty short. Not really surprising because I guess they're they're doing a lot of things behind the scenes for season 11.5. But there were a few notable changes that you'll want to hear about. So mostly we're talking about quality of life improvements and a couple systems fixes. So in terms of quality of life improvements, uh, in the tailor, new outfits for all factions have been unlocked, including Robin Hood era outfits and goddess gowns, which I'm, sounds I'm, amazing. I'm putting my character in the name. <laughs> uh, well, like clubwear and swimwear, they can't be used in battle, and they will be restricted to being used in holodecks and holosuites only. So y- you won't be just, you know, uh, running around on Kobali in your goddess gown. I'm sorry, Mark. At Drozana Station, players can now opt to perform Umox on the Lobi Crystal Consortium vendor in exchange for goods. Now, this is with the intention, apparently, of making endgame gear more accessible to all players. Presumably, there will be some kind of penalty for doing that, but at least it gives players another option rather than just opening lockboxes all the time. And finally, the bathroom facilities outside of Club 47 have been expanded, so players should see a much reduced wait time. There were also a couple of system fixes. Beamfire at will has been readjusted so that the damage output should now be on par with a normal beam array, except that it now focuses damage across multiple targets rather than a single one. And likewise, cannon scatter volley and torp spread will now only focus on a single enemy target, although players will still see a damage benefit if they are attacking particularly large enemies such as scimitars or the Voth Citadel Dreadnought. Now this is, both of these changes are sort of part of an ongoing project where they're looking at, I guess, moving players away from Beamfire at Will and giving you other options because pretty much, you know, the meta is, oh, everybody, you know, spam fall everywhere. And so hopefully this will give people a couple other options to explore. Uh, also shared cooldowns on the auxiliary power to the emergency battery, aka ox to bat. The shared cooldowns have been increased to stop players from exploiting the reduced cooldown proc with technician doffs. That's a really that's a key mechanism of the ox to bat build, so we'll see what that affects. And finally, for systems fixes, the base number of ship slots has been reduced to just three, and that's in order to alleviate some server-side performance issues. Any excess ships will be moved automatically to dry dock or dismissed if there are no dry dock slots left available. 
As always, we'll leave a link to the full patch notes in the show notes for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO264. And lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online News, here are some upcoming events to look forward to. This coming weekend from the 7th of April will be a free upgrade weekend. This is a good time to get all your gear up to gold. But remember, you have to log in at least once every four hours or your free upgrade voucher will expire. Once you've started your upgrades, if you fail to complete the event, you will be demoted back to level 30. Also, don't forget the Temporal Agent Recruitment event runs for four weeks from the end of April. Get ready to roll a new tune and choose from the new playable Cardassians, Collective Borg, or the Tutarians, aka the Sphere Builders. As always, events are subject to change without notice. Make sure you check out the in-game calendar or listen in here at Priority One Podcast for the latest news and updates from Star Trek Online. Now let's check in with Cookie and Elijah and see what's on screen. On screen. Hello, Captains. I'm Cookie. And I'm Elijah. And this week we're reviewing What About Discord? Written by Lauren Faust and Neil Dustow and directed by Denny Liu and Jim Miller. This episode first aired November 7th, 2015. In this episode, Twilight Sparkle decides she wants to spend her long weekend reorganizing her books. But Discord has other plans. Will she end up suffering from FOMO? Here are some fun facts. At one point, Pinkie Pie dresses like Marty McFly from Back to the Future when discussing time travel. And if you listen closely, you can hear the music for it as well. I particularly laughed out loud in that scene. The funny thing is, is that not many of the age ranges of folks watching this show are going to get that joke. Lauren Faust, the show's creator, likened the character Discord to Q from Star Trek The Next Generation. Hmm, I'm not, I don't know about that show. Have you ever the seen Next it? The Next Generation? What show is yeah, that? Yeah, I'll have to check it out. I've never heard of it. The comparison led to show producers actively seeking out John Delancey to voice the character, which they did. So, Cookie, what did you think about the episode? Well, if you ever want to see John Delancey do an impression of Bob Ross painting happy little trees, this is the episode for you, because that actually happens twice. Discord was, as stated earlier, definitely a lot like Q, especially since he had magical powers and he really used them. Twilight Sparkle was a complete spaz most of the episode, and the other ponies just laughed the whole time. So I'm not sure about any of them. There's also a baby dragon that follows Twilight Sparkle around and trolls her. What did you think of this episode, Elijah? You know, every time I watch these episodes, I I try to pull the moral, the theme. What is the episode trying to tell us, right? We've done it several times already in this show and Mm -hmm. and, and for for this particular one. I feel that this show is really trying to outline the anxiety that one feels as a result of the condition regarded as FOMO or fear of missing out. You see, it happens to us every weekend. Us weekend warriors go out and we have fun with our friends and then sometimes we sit back and want to reorganize the pantry. (laughs) And yet, Monday rolls around and everybody's talking about the weekend. And it just gets your mind going and you get sad and anxious that you might have missed out. I can relate a lot to Twilight Sparkle. I fear this, I have this condition myself, this fear of missing out. And I often struggle with that anxiety. We should all just accept the fact that we can't be there for everything. So that brings us to our community question. What is your favorite 
My Little Pony character. I don't know if I have a favorite yet. Like I said, it was kind of hard to tell. Um, I guess uh, Discord. I like Q. I mean, I like Discord. Who's Q? I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, that's you keep referring yeah. to the Star Trek thing, and I don't know yeah, what. I don't what... Know. <laughs> well, that wraps it up for this week's on-screen review of My Little Pony. What about Discord? Now we turn to Jace for this week's literary review. Captains, this is Jace with the March edition of Trek Lit 101. Now that our exploration of the JJ-verse via IDW's Star Trek ongoing comic series has caught up with Into Darkness, I thought we would trek out a vintage Trek comic from December of 1967. While it was included as a feature in issue 115 of the classic fantasy and sci-fi magazine Magic and Droids, this story by artist Mort Drucker and writer Dick Bartolo was the second full-length Star Trek comic ever made, after Gold Key's The Planet of No Return in July of that same year. It was also the first Star Trek comic I ever read as a child, stumbling across the back issue at my grandparents' house well before the Next Generation era. I'll preface by saying that today's readers may be a trifle put off by the dated art and writing style in this piece. The drawings are somewhere between a realistic depiction and caricature, with characters other than the primary cast drawn much more cartoonishly. It's also more dialogue heavy than modern comics, though I imagine that those listening to an audio podcast may be more forgiving of that. There are a few gaffes and typos here and there, but of course this is not part of canon in any sense. That said, issue 115 starts off with the Enterprise on a seemingly extended patrol, responding to requests and problems from various local planets and stations. Even Spock addresses the matter of shore leave for the crew, but when they lose contact with planet Rama 4, the captain is concerned. On approach, they make brief contact and hear of massive natural disasters, leading to further complication as one of their away team members is disfigured in a transporter malfunction. Impressive given that this is still decades before the motion picture, or even Spaceballs. Finding the capital city in shambles, the leader and last survivor of the once proud colony infected with a strange virus, and the soil radioactive, the Enterprise crew are stymied for a solution. Without spoiling the ending entirely, as this comic is available online in its entirety, the link of course will be in the show notes, the method by which they manage to restore the colony to safety winds up a near-perfect seg into one of the original series episodes that had aired earlier that year. As I mentioned before, the continuity isn't perfect, but the intention was clear and surprisingly workable given the overall sophistication of the comic. Anyway, I highly recommend you check this out. It's free online, and the link, as I said, will be in the show notes, issue 115. Next time, we'll continue forward post Into Darkness and see what lies beyond. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Our first community question was, in the TNG episode Hearts of Fire, what was your favourite crewman Ramos moment? Matt Alone fan 17 wrote on PriorityOnePodcast.com, I like when he delivers the line, This is Ramos. Security 3 force field has been broken. Perfect. Further, his clumsy removal of the hand phaser artfully depicts the crewman's fear in this intense situation. I don't actually remember that bit, but okay. You know, <laughs> everybody has different opinions on all the different episodes, so okay. Moving on to at Finn Cobb, who tweeted, 
Isn't that the dude who got shot after his first line? Guy couldn't even time the communicator tap right. Epic fail. <laughs> Is that guy though? Yeah. <laughs> And finally, certainly not Dennis Mandelon, the guy who played Krumen Ramos, wrote, Dennis is a genius. From start to finish, his portrayal of Krumen Ramos was underrated art. It's impossible to pick one favourite moment. I was also in Pulp Fiction. He was also in Pulp Fiction. Who is that guy? I don't think he's written in before. I hope he never writes in again, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so for our next community question, who's holding up the elevator? Ronald Tuba replied on our Facebook post, probably those lazy f- uh... Did anybody proofread these? <laughs> I can't say that! Thanks a lot, Ronald Tuba, for your comment, but I'm not going to read it. Anyway, swiftly moving on. Yo Buen tweeted, Suck it, P1. Crappy show, crappy host. I held up the elevator, hashtag drop mic. Wait, what? Okay then. Alright. <laughs> Thank you for your feedback. You. At Yo Buen. <laughs> Moving right along, some derivative of Khan wrote on our website, I've done far worse than make you wait. I've made you wait extra, and I wish to go on making you wait. I shall leave you as you left me, as you left her, marooned for all eternity in the centre of Macy's, buried alive, buried alive. Is that not a quote from, like, Die Hard? Oh, is that what it's from? I thought it sounded familiar. Something like that. I just thought he was being a little overdramatic, but, mm. you know... And for our final question, according to philosophynow.org's review of the ethics of Star Trek by Barad and Robertson, the moral foundation of the original series is found to be a hybrid of Aristotelian virtue and prima facie duty principles, which simultaneously respects Spock's stoic utilitarianism. Do you feel this is an appropriate evaluation? Ward Collis wrote on PriorityOnePodcast.com, you guys did that bit about the other planet so well, I swear you were trolling us. But then I found it, and damn. And at Captain Gecko tweeted, That's when Seven of Nine tried to simulate the saltwater taffy machine. Those comments have nothing to do with that question at all. Do you, did you guys even listen to the podcast? Seriously. What podcast? Our last episode. That was, do you know, it took me ages to come up with that question. It was so thoughtful, and I thought we could get a really nice discourse going, and we get saltwater taffy. But did they not answer it? No, it has nothing to do with the question. Build a bridge, get over it. <laughs> well, fine then. <laughs> and Sean Newboy wrote, wonderful show, everyone. Thanks. Well, we got a ton of feedback this week, and we're sorry we couldn't get through all of it. But next week, you can leave us a voicemail by clicking on our SpeakPipe widget on our homepage, and that's in addition to our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast, our Twitter page at Priority One Pod, that's one the word. And of course, you can always leave us a comment on our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com. Well, that wraps up episode 254 of Priority One Podcast. We'd like to send a special thanks to our Patreon supporters, Navy Boats Lou, Lou Dejian, King Abdullah II bin Al Hussein, Stephen Humphrey, Bill Nye the Science Guy, Stewie Griffin, but of course, Rarva, and Her Majesty, the Queen of England. And just a quick reminder of this week's community question from on screen. Who's your favorite My Little Pony? Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Submit your responses for our community question in the comment section on our website, on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast, or tweet us via at Priority One Pod. 
You can even leave us a voicemail via SpeakPipe. Just click on the widget on our homepage at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Don't miss a thing from the wild world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast catchers to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. And now, you can check out the official Priority One Podcast album, available on iTunes and Amazon MP3. And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' other shows like Under the Sequest, where we deconstruct Sequest DSV with a progressive feminist view, or Guard Frequency Podcast, covering the world of space sims. If you like this show, then subscribing to our sister shows is the logical choice. Visit PriorityOneNetwork.com for quick links to each show. Thanks to our graphic artists, Rami Linnail and Jason Smith. And if you enjoy our comics, the creator of our series, Jonathan Towery, can be commissioned at johntowery.com. Thanks to all of our bloggers and their managing editor, L. To our assistant writer, Jake Morgan. To our video editor, Jerry Tillman. And to consultant, Midnight Shadow 7 of Holosuite Media for his ongoing support. Thanks to our audio team led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, Asmaria Day Post, and Gavin LaWarn. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. And most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, and our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Shields up. Engage. Also, leave us a comment. I don't know why I said that. Now, let's check out some news in the world of Star Trek. What? Now, let's check. Oh, I see. Principal investigator William Cochran is optimistic that it could one day be used as a key component of clean fuel, which could include fuel for space. Space. I can't. Ah. Space propulsion. Ah. Which could include. Oh, God. I can't even say include. Take it from principal. Principal. <clears throat> principal investigator William Cochran is optimistic that it could be... Um, <sighs> you don't have anywhere to be, do you? <laughs> Man. Nope. Okay. In a press release dated April 1st, showrunner Brian Fuller announced that former Doctor Who head writer and executive producer Stephen Moffat... Moffat? <laughs> Moffat. Moffat. Okay. Moffat, who is also known as the co-creator of the recent Sherlock series starring Benedict Cumberbund, brings yet another impressive resume to the already chock-full lineup of behind-the-scenes names. Could you just do that whole thing? You stumbled over every word. I was like, I was going to let Star Star ring. I was going to let that go. And then it was just like, you know what? Impressive credit. Okay. Yeah.
Are you Moffat, who is also known as the co-creator of the recent Sherlock series starting Starship. <laughs> I have not been drinking. <laughs> You're off your Moffitt. game, Elijah. I know. I can't even read. Because Moffat threw you off. It's not clear yet how the production schedules of start. <laughs> it's not clear yet how the production schedules. <laughs> that you you guys say schedules. No, nobody says schedules. No, occasionally people do, but most people say schedules. <laughs> it's not clear yet how the production schedules of Star Trek and Doctor Who might work out, but speculation is that he will spend much of the year handling handing. Handing, sorry. These are long sentences. I know. Seriously. I, Holy crap. I, they are, aren't they? I write really <laughs> long sentences. I it works the way that I, I think them in my head, but poor anyone wow. else. These are like I mean, they're not run-ons, but well, Holy complex of, sentence they, structure, they kind Batman. Of are. It's because I'm so incredibly intelligent. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. I don't even know where to begin. Well, here. Okay. Just do my workout and then make it a new sentence. It's fine. It's fine. Speculation is that he will spend much of the year handling the reins over to the new showrunner. Handling the reins. Chris Chibnail. <laughs> okay, Chibnail. right. Right. Chibnail. First of all, it's <laughs> handing the reins. You hand the reins over. Right. What I say? Hand handling. <laughs> to be fair, I misread that as handling a lot as well. Hand, <laughs> handing the reins over, right? And it's Chris Chibnall. Chibnall. All right, Chibnall. Okay. <laughs> Clearly, they're all British people. They're like British last names. Speculation is that he will. <laughs> ah, all right. Speculation is that he will spend much of the year handing the reins. <laughs> it's just not even that hard. Uh, handing the reins. Handing the reins. Handing the reins. Handing handing Whoa, you say it a lot of times. It sounds handing a bit Handing over naughty. the reins. You know, that's what it is. No, handing, handing the reins over to the new show. Right? Handing over the reins. Over. <laughs> over the reins <laughs> delete, over. Delete the other over. Otherwise, it'll be. <laughs> Speculation <laughs> is that he will spend over much of the year overhanding over the reins <laughs> After a few teasing tweets last week, a new system seems to be finally being added to STUO. Flying. Oh no, you didn't. <laughs> oh no, you didn't. Can you maybe yeah, I'll do that. please do that again? Yeah. Trust Ken at Go Feel Beyonce, by the way. All the single ladies, all the single ladies. I've got this unbelievable image of you twerking while singing and yeah. Yeah, I do that sometimes. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you the return of Twerk It Out. (laughs) After a few... Anyway. Started. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh After a few teasing tweets... Don't screw it up, Mark. I swear to beeping beeper. (laughs) Go on. I'm sorry. I'll stay quiet. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> See, Ken from Chicago, it's all her. Yeah, it's, it's all Ken's fault. <sighs> I blame the wine. No, I wouldn't. And this week, we're reviewing What About Discord? Written by Lauren Faust and Neil Dizadu and directed by. Dizadu, maybe? Well, that wraps up. We'd like to. Th- what, 54. Is that, was that yeah, intentional? Yeah.
Yeah, that was intentional. April Fools! <laughs>